1: Hello, you're listening to 101
0: Part-Time Jobs, the podcast where I speak to bands and musicians about their survival, how they've got by between making records, between going on tour, how they've managed to keep their art, their main focus, amongst everything else that's been going on in their lives. Justin Young, singer of The Vaccines, joins me on today's episode. Their new album, Back in Love City, is out on the 10th of September. The track beneath this, Headphones Baby, we talk about later on in this interview. And, well, yeah, let's get on with it. Thanks, Justin, for joining me. Thank you for listening. East London Signature Brew have been brewing beers since 2011. They've made beer with Mastodon, Idols, Slaves, Sports Team, Hot Chip, and so many other amazing bands. If you go onto their website, signaturebrew.co.uk, you can get some beers delivered directly to your door, UK only, and with the voucher code 101 podcast, all capital letters, you can get 10% off that order. All right, without further ado, here's Justin Young from The Vaccines. Go well. Cheers!
2: Speaking actually less about my own story and more generally, I think it's, you know, it's really interesting when you think about, you know, that time when I guess you decide or you make the decision or des- the decision is made for you to like prioritize art or, you know, in my mm-hmm. case, music. Um, you know, I think there's a, um, there's a degree of privilege that comes with being able to do that. And there's a degree of bravery, I suppose, that comes with being able to do that. And then also, I guess, like a bit of luck as well. And and, and they they all kind of like go in the melting pot and sort of i guess like create an environment where you're able to like i guess prioritize it above and beyond mm. other things and then you know like holding on again is like a it's like interesting to me because y- you know when you're when you're an artist right you're the longer you do it unlike most pursuits or professions you don't then you know it's not incremental it's not like the longer you do it the more money you make or you know actually like quite the opposite for most people so it you know uh, expertise does not equal whatever that means does not equal you know more financial security or whatever right so it's like i suppose all the time you're hungry enough and you're privileged enough to like have i suppose like a, a kind of safety net beneath you um I, I guess, I guess you're right, right?
0: I, 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 I'm quite guilty of it, and I'm sure I'm not alone. Where you know, I love a band, and maybe the first couple of records or the first record is in on an indie label, and you know they're touring hard, and and then maybe they'll sign to a bigger indie or a major, and and you and you, you know, it's classic, it's classic rock journalism, isn't it? It's like, oh, they've made that step, and and like we almost define it, we almost like put red tape around it, and think, oh, those people are. safe now. And I think that is part of the facade of, of rock music. You know what I mean? That that we do put these people, um, on pedestals and also, you know, within these boxes being like, oh yeah, that's it now they've, they've made it.
2: Totally. And, And when I, and when I was a teenager, you know, I would, you know, I assumed that once you signed a major label deal, you were essentially like set for life because you hear these kind of like six, seven figure sums being like thrown about. And I also was guilty of kind of, you know, thinking bands were like sellouts or whatever when they mm-hmm. signed to like major labels and had previously been on indies. But, you know, actually, I think signing to a major label isn't, uh you know, isn't a sign that you've made it. It's a sign that someone's giving you a chance to make it on a much bigger scale, like really like once you've all taken your cut, including management and the tax man, like a major label deal is going to allow you to like live comfortably, maybe for anywhere between six months and two years. And the rest is kind of on you. And I suppose the gods of music or whatever, like that, that, um, that things will work out, I guess.
0: Is that something that you've had to learn, you know, quickly, or did you learn it the hard way that, that fact of, you know once things are stripped away i mean even talking about like you know production at festivals or on tours you know that's going to cost loads of money and, and 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 i suppose it's it's you you're the band and you know maybe your manager you know you're you're the bosses right
2: totally and and i suppose there's always that you know you're always kind of like weighing up putting on the best show you possibly can versus like walking home with like rent money at the end of it you know yeah and i think that i remember again i remember you know hearing like friends of friends who were starting to like make it or whatever earning like what I thought was like crazy amounts of money for shows and gigs and then I realized that oh actually like 80-90% of that is going to is going on like day-to-day like running costs you know like having a trailer behind your bus having a front of house like engineer having a tour manager mm-hmm. maybe having a guitar tech or a drum tech you know, like uh, hiring amps, whatever it may be, like flying, taxis, hotels, it's all this, you know, kind of all, so it's not, yeah, there's some quite sort of like, I, you know, I've I've definitely, I remember kind of seeing these sort of like blockbuster numbers and thinking like, wow, those people must be like rolling in it. Mm. And then I think the reality, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's, you know, when your head is above the water, it's still a, you definitely feel like you're cheating at life. It, you know, it feels like unearned income. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty like, it's, it's a pretty insane way to make money, but it's certainly, you know, no one's going around in their own planes, are they?
0: And, and that's, you know, another thing. And I, and I suppose we're all, we're always gonna, you know, no matter what you're doing, you're going to be looking at your friends or people that you've heard of or read about. And you know, that, that kind of comparison thing is, is such a human trait. Uh, I mean, is, is that something that, that, that you've had or, the, or that you had in earlier years?
2: I mean, I, yeah, like you said, I think that is a human trait. I think some of us are more guilty of it than others. I certainly am. You know, I definitely hold myself up against peers and, you know, friends and family members and wh- whatever it may be, you know, like mm. I, I don't know. I'm, yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely, I suppose, ambitious.
0: But I think there's like a healthiness to that, right? Because if you're like, an athlete or you start you, or you do you know that that you can see what the benefit of that
2: right exactly but but like and i think that like you know an athlete is a, is a is a good analogy because much like an artist their career can often be shorter than most other careers mm. they do what is ultimately um a passion and starts as a passion and hopefully continues as a passion but then becomes something that like you know keeps a roof over their head so then it's like you know what I mean? It's
0: like I wonder. You know. I remember reading an article where you were living in a sort of a flat share in in London, and you know your your housemates were playing music, and there is that is that kind of thing where you know you, you're you're in such a creative hub, and you're you're trying to make it work for yourself, and you know for the namesake of the podcast, you're you're working different part-time jobs and picking up what you can I mean you know when I when I say that what kind of stories spring to mind of of that period of your life
2: well what I do remember most vividly about that time was that was like the first time in my life when I realized that like rock stars weren't all like beamed down from space or industry plants or whatever it may be like I always just thought that they were like bigger and better personalities than me or anyone else in my phone book and like you know playing in London three four five times a week on like open mics and little like support shows here and there and and, and seeing like friends and and loose acquaintances you know move through the gears of getting record deals and releasing records and then going on to you know actually like headline festivals and all sorts of stuff I realized that like you know it was quite frustrating so it wasn't happening to me but I also realized that it was actually more attainable than i thought if you had something half decent to play and say and so that was quite inspiring i realized that actually you know anything was possible but it was quite frustrating too because it didn't happen for me as quickly as it did for a lot of the kind of people that i was sort of i suppose like finding myself in rooms with yeah
0: i don't know if it was if it's just to my music taste but There's so many people around that sort of 2009, 10, 11 era of London and maybe Camden specifically where I'd be coming down as a 18 year old, I think. And, you know, Frank Turner was, you know, a massive name coming up. Obviously, that kind of attachment to Million Dead and that factor that it was it was actually like punk, you know, and my imagination definitely swelled um, with with people such as, you know, you two.
2: There was definitely, you know, it's funny because vaccines really didn't come from a scene at all. And I'm not sure it's hard when I think back, it's hard to know who I'd include in, you know, said scene in inverted commas and who yeah. you know, wouldn't really want to be included in that at all. But, you know, <laughs> if you, yeah. if you know, I suppose that was maybe like a time where if you were coming up and you wanted to be heard, you weren't, you know, uploading music necessarily. Oh, I suppose you were to MySpace, but not on the scale you are now. You were still, sort of I guess, like going out and playing open mic nights or trying to get in with a promoter or whatever. So you ended up on the same bills as pretty much anyone that was anyone, right? Like coming up through the ranks, and so it definitely, yeah, I mean, it definitely meant that you crossed paths with lots and lots of interesting people and very talented people. And um, actually, you know, like Frank was really instrumental in in my journey because I supported him when I was still in sixth form college. Right. In Winchester at Winchester railway inn which is like a pub, like a has like a little it's like a pub with a little back room with like seventy eighty cap venue and um and he really liked my set and then basically invited me on tour with him and told me to look him up when I moved to London and all this sort of stuff so you know he was very he was like very instrumental in in my sort of musical journey i think
0: that's brilliant i mean I don't want to you know of course we have Personal connections the last year has been something else for that. Um, but that that kind of one to oneness of saying, you know, hey, like look me up or hey, let's do these run of shows together, that is something that is so special. And I wonder how much that exists that, uh, uh, in person, not online now.
2: Well, you know, I'm probably less in person, but I do think as humans, we all, you know, crave that. And so I think, you know, I think there's probably no shortage of that sentiment going on. But yeah, no, I that I I feel very, yeah, I feel very indebt- indebted to him for that for that sort of like I suppose that generosity really that he showed me.
0: When you talk about MySpace, it was almost like you know you'd upload a demo or something, and it would be like exclusive. I remember bands would upload demos um, of the album that they've already been signed for, and it didn't feel like a like a a wasted release like it might do on YouTube now or something. I mean, obviously, that, that's your story. That, that was the time that you, you came up and that first record was, was written in. But, I mean, can you reflect on that period of time compared to if you were trying to make your first record now?
2: Well, there's a lot to reflect on there, I suppose. I mean, what I would say about Myspace that was interesting, which I think, like, separates it maybe from, you know, YouTube or whatever, is mm-hmm. that, like, actually, because you all... <laughs> Because it was like because it hosted music, but it also hosted your own like you also it was also a host for your own social accounts. It meant that you know for people of a certain age, you were essentially like living on MySpace, right? So you were you were listening to music on there, you were sharing music on there, but you were also you know connecting with people. Um, Like I made you know I made friends on MySpace that I'm still friends with now, and I think that was like the first platform really where that happened, right? Yeah. Um, But I but but vaccines. And to a an certain extent the stuff I was doing before that sort of came i would say a little bit too late for for the kind of like the, the 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 myspace gold rush but you know i i one thing that I think is very different now is that is that I think bands and artists get signed a lot earlier and when vaccines got signed we'd already written and demoed our entire first record so really there was there was kind of like, there wasn't this sort of like two, three year window where we were forced to go and like, you know, like co-write with a with hundred other writers and and uh, release like five EPs and, and you know, do all these like, you know, jump, th- jump through all these crazy hoops, like just in case we weren't quite ready, you know, we, we were sort of, we arrived fully formed. And, and I think that that was probably because playing live was still such a big part of, I guess, like starting an artist project and living in London.
0: And that was the sort of the first full length you'd been involved in?
2: Yeah, I'd never made a record until that point. I don't think anyone else in the band had either. I think maybe people had played on, you know, other people's albums, like a song here, a song there. But, you know, none of us before that point had ever kind of held a record in our hands with our names on the back of it.
0: So writing and like, you know, especially recording, what did you expect? was that, I mean, I I know I'm like harking it back here, but you know, that was, was that like a real fun period of time? Was that like a buzzy time?
2: Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, you know, the first songs came well before like the name or the, the, any sort of like semblance of, uh, of ambition or anything, you know, we were just, we had a, we had access to our friend's rehearsal space because he had a record deal and he like let us use his equipment and, Right. All this sort of stuff. And we wrote like Wetsuit and If You Wanna, I remember, were like two of the first songs like in his uh in his like rehearsal space in like the summer of two thousand and nine. Like, you know, not really ever expecting to play them live, like we didn't have like a name or, you know, I was playing like keyboards, uh Betty <laughs> was playing bass, like it was you know, it was it was like real like uh it was like prototype vaccines, I guess. I was a st- I was a student at King's College London and I was I was studying history. So during term time I had my student loan and my accommodation and stuff. So that kind of like you know that helped me that sort of like helped me get by in term time. And then in the summer in the kind of holidays the way I managed to afford staying in London is I got an ass- I got a job as an assistant in a photography studio. Oh um, nice.
0: in a a creative environment
2: yeah yeah. and i was just like paid you know paid a kind of nominal amount i guess to just like go and gen and assist everyone really no Mm. one in particular which was quite good because it meant i could sort of like fall through the cracks a bit and it was quite you know quite easy to sort of disappear for a couple of hours at lunch and people would just assume that i was helping someone else
0: But do you know what? That is such a trick. I wish I had someone tell me that when I was a bit younger. That if you just sort of get away with doing the minimal and not be too good at the job.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's. I suppose that's like the big, you know, that's the distinction, right, between, uh, you know, I think a job you have when you're a kid that you're not invested in, as it were. Mm. You have no responsibility. You're you're very easily like replaceable, Mm, you have no mm. real, you know, you don't really have any skin in the game. So it's no, you know, you don't really care, right? You don't enjoy it. You don't really care about it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, And which is, of course, the opposite of, you know, leading vaccines, leading the band. I mean, did you kind of take that role, you know, with that sort of background coming from that? I mean, when you first came home with a bit of money from tour that you could use for rent, was there a point that you remember where you were like, Oh, do you know what? I have to take this fucking seriously. Actually, like I need to look after myself.
2: Well, I, I mean, I definitely, I definitely felt lucky, and I was like, well, every month that goes by that I can afford rent from playing music is a blessing, really. And I'm just gonna get to the end of every month and hope I can still, you know, make it just from music and nothing else. And and I was, I was really lucky. You know, I, I suppose this is the point of the podcast. So if you really want to know, I, um, I got really lucky because. My first job was like gardening, you know. It was like it was like mowing the lawn and all this kind of stuff, like classic, you know, teen movie style Saturday jobs, like yeah, like weeding neighbors' gardens and mowing their lawns cash in hand. And then the first time I sort of had like an employer, I guess I was like I I was like I washed up at the local pub. Um and then and then I kind of actually I quit I, I quit there and then was taken for dinner there that night by my friend's mum, which was like very awkward because I kind of <laughs> I walked out on the job actually, um, and then and then and then the kind of the longest job you know the longest job I had ever do you know ever kind of doing something that wasn't music is I worked at the ordnance survey after I finished school before university I spent like I think six to nine months working at the Ordnance Survey, like remapping.
0: That's amazing. I mean, I've, I've, I know Ordnance Survey maps, but I, I've never spent a second thinking about them as a as a business.
2: Nor had I, but they had... So I went to school in Southampton. They had their, like, headquarters in Southampton. Uh, and so it just... For, like loads of people I knew from my school would go work there, and then it would it would allow them to sort of like save up for travelling or university or whatever. And a friend, they, oh, I went to manpower, you know, like the employment agency, and I had to kind of like fill in, you know, a bunch of forms or whatever. And and and, and me and a, and a couple of people from my school, yeah, got the job and went and worked, yeah, remapping ordnance survey, which is as was was as boring as it sounded, although or as it sounds, although there were you know I met some great people there actually it was, yeah, it was, you know, it could have been worse, could have been worse. Um, and then I, and then basically I moved to London for university and I got, this is kind of where cheating at life began really, because I got a publishing deal in my first year of university and they let me take a sabbatical for a year. And so for a year, I kind of went full time with music, um, and lived off this publishing deal that came to an end. I ran out of money just as like my second year was supposed to be starting i deferred a year they let me go back and then i and then about 2 months before i finished my final year like vaccines got a manager and a record deal lined up and so i literally finished uh, my last exam on my uh, in my last year of university and got in a tour van the next day and then haven't really had a proper job since
0: that is brilliant.
2: So I did, I, I mean like really like it was, it was, it was, it was like Swan Lake. I just completely aced it. I, I completely, you know, I got the cheat codes for life at that point.
0: was it a surprise when the, when the manager and the label label came on board i mean i know you mentioned earlier that that it would you would feel lucky but i mean was it a surprise was it was it almost like a, a quick thing was it an overnight or an overweek thing that that happened
2: it, it was it was absolutely a surprise like, i i remember i was shooting pool in like an irish pub in shepherd's bush with my friends and i got like a, a text or an email sorry from our manager who's still our manager now or he at that point he obviously wasn't and he said oh someone sent me a couple of your demos this this is who I am this is who I work with I'd love to meet with you and that was like completely out of the blue I'd sent I'd sent a couple of like early vaccines demos to like two or three friends I knew in the music industry and I think they'd shared it you know I just wanted some feedback really and they'd shared it with a few different people yeah um and then yeah really like it was sort of I don't know from that moment on everything sort of started to fall into place and it was it constantly and consistently surprised me to be honest with you
0: and you know moving on to you know coming uh, sorry come of age i remember thinking like this is it like like this band's becoming like a big a big like rock band you know like it it was go it was just keep on going up and up was that the kind of feeling in the camp as well? I mean, how, when it comes to like the reality, like the, the day-to-day of, of of that time?
2: You know, what's funny is when I look back now, I sort of, there are many, you know, I feel many things like pride and, and all that sort of stuff. And it's like frustration at, at, um, at how, you know, it was slightly wasted on us at times because we were so sort of stressed out by the whole thing. But if I'm being, if I'm, if I'm being really, honest with you you know it it looks completely different from the outside in mm. because at the time obviously like things were going so well for us you know as well as really they possibly could have been going but you're still you know there's still sort of like conversations being had at like labels and management companies about you know like Oh, why did you only sell thirty five thousand week one and not fifty five thousand week one? Or like, oh, you didn't get that support gig that you know with that stadium band in America? Or like, oh, you didn't get that late night TV show and all this sort. Of, you know, I know it sounds absolutely ridiculous.
0: No, but- I th- I think it's it's it totally makes sense. Like we're that's like again, it's like a human trait that stuff, yeah. isn't it? So- Especially when yeah. someone's criticizing.
2: So even though I think you know, really we were you know on top of the world and I look back now and realize we were but at the time you know I was so sort of anxious and and worried that everything was going to come crashing down and that you know all these dreams that were coming true would soon turn to nightmares and Mm -hmm. I'd be spat out the other side that I you know I probably failed to focus on on just how many great things are happening to us and I actually think that's why now I'm so determined and we're so determined to kind of enjoy every moment because we realize how lucky we are to do it. And actually we're quite good at that now. I'd I'd say that we do enjoy kind of like 99% of what being in a band means.
0: All of that stuff's quite personal. And, you know, that's the stuff that gets to your inner, inner psyche, I suppose. And it's probably quite easy to kind of try and like battle through it, like wade through it and not necessarily communicate or or you know whatever that means were you quite have you lot been quite good at being being good mates about it and being like do you know what this is I'm getting a bit better at this or
2: not not initially I think we were pretty hard on ourselves and pretty hard on each other um you know it was like it it was it was an incredibly sort of intense experience we all went through together and you know one that we rarely kind of uh you know, one, well, put it this way, we, we very rarely had enough sleep. So I think we were all like, mm. just completely like fried. And, and I do think that being in a band, it doesn't matter how great you are at your instrument or how great you are as a human being. I still think it like a really, you know, a really successful band. I mean, this on a sort of, per, from a personal standpoint, not a creative standpoint, is one that is like the right mix of characters with the right kind of mindsets and frame of mind, and and you know I think at that time we probably yeah we pro- sorry that's a really rambling way of saying that I I think we probably could have been kinder to each other and kinder to ourselves actually.
0: Has that been something that you've been a bit that you you thought about a bit more and talked about a bit more in 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 recent
2: now absolutely I think we're actually I think that we're a really good mix of personalities now and I think we've all grown up a lot and you know we're a lot kind of more patient with each other and understanding of each other and you know I would say that we enjoy each other's company a lot more now than we did.
0: Of course that's going to feed into the way you're writing as well right and you know when I listened to like head well first time I listened to Headphones Baby it was like for me as a fan it was like this is this is sick this is like boiled this has boiled it down to what it's what I love about vaccines and like, you know, that the, the kind of, you know, the hookiness of it. And I know that's a cliche to say, but there, there is something real special about your voice, especially. And speak about rambling or sprawling. I imagine it's quite easy to do that in the studio.
2: Um, well, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, no, it's um, I mean, I suppose. I, I guess I guess the kind of creative process is is often a sort of long road from any song sort of inception through to the point where it's you know coming out into the world and maybe even beyond that you know when it comes down to whether or not there's any space for it in a set list or whatever it may be you know there's I guess there's constant dialogue and and um collaboration and 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 uh maybe the odd disagreement but you know I think that we're caught we're we're always trying to figure out I'm happy you said that because you know I don't think everybody heard headphones baby and thought that was vaccines at their best you know I think a lot of I, I'm aware that a lot of our fan base like it when, you know, it feels slightly more like a punch in the face. But to me, it sounds like, actually sounds like classic vaccines. And I suppose we're, you know, as a five piece now, we're sort of constantly trying to navigate that and figure out what it is that we do, you know, what it, what is it that makes the vaccines the vaccines and how do we take that and bottle it, but sort of refine what we're doing. And I suppose get better and stay interesting and, and uh yeah, evolve, I guess. Does that make sense?
0: Totally. And yeah. it, you know, it's, it's like how to look at yourself and what you are without being a caricature of yourself or without feeling fucking weird about it.
2: <laughs> totally. And I, you know, I do, you know, the idea that we just make, what did you expect again? Every couple of years, like, you know, I'm not really sure anyone would really want that.
0: I mean, that record exists forever. And that's why he goes, you know, one of the reasons why you go see a band live, isn't it?
2: Absolutely, it's funny. I saw like a couple of comments where people were like, if we if we come if we come see you, will we, will you play the old music? I was like, yeah, we'll play the old music. We're not just playing. It, we're not just playing the new record.
0: The set lists must be pretty pretty tough for you.
2: You know, we have we, we have got a lot of. I expect the one thing the the one thing that sort of like plays into our hands is that actually uh, our, our songs are very short, so um yeah. And, and yeah they really are you know like I'll sometimes kind of look over the shoulders of another artist with with an hour to fill and they're playing like six songs and, and we're playing like 17 you know
0: <laughs> speaking about you know set lists, I'm always intrigued I think as a as a sort of 10 year old I saw a picture of Dave Grohl writing uh, a setlist with a sharpie that was like 17 tracks like rock and ring or whatever my older brother showed me yeah. and remember I just remember thinking like you know the set list thing is, is that like a last minute thing for you lot? Is that like pretty, do you have tour set lists? Okay.
2: So this, again, this is, I think for a lot of bands and artists it is. And I've heard, I think I've heard that Jack White just calls it out on stage. Right. And I think there's quite a few people that do that. Um, I we, love that. We have been quite successfully bullied into giving a set list by our um, front of house and our monitor engineers, by about lunchtime on, on show days. And actually when, when you find something that works and all the kind of puzzle pieces fit together nicely, mm. it, it like, I think like, obviously we change it up towards to all, but generally speaking, we'll sort of like stick with that for kind of two, three, four weeks. And then maybe sort of like, you know, pull one thing out and put another thing in and, and, you know, that sort of thing. But generally speaking like the spine or the kind of core of it remains the same. And actually, you know, for us as well, you know, it doesn't. I don't find it gets boring or predictable or anything. It for me, for me, actually, I, I find it really helps us to kind of find our like flow state and just. I, I think we end up a much better band at the end of that kind of period when we're just really it's poetry in motion.
0: <laughs> I mean, speaking of flow state and and poetry emotion, motion, have you? I mean, tell me about the last sort of eighteen months prior to lockdown had you got into like a full sort of you know multiple year swing of it over over the course of five years or even you know 10 years
2: yeah definitely I mean I think like yeah before the big C came and sort of swept everything away like I think that we kind of it probably did feel a little bit like we knew what we were in for um yeah I guess I do think being in a band or being on tour or whatever i I do think it probably does institutionalize you to a certain degree you know there are like weird things you know i never thought i'd be into like you know i never thought i'd miss conference hotels in middle america or you know Mm. airport lounges in eastern europe or whatever it may be
0: (laughs) and you know the aspect of it being a job like it is your job like it's your profession your you know your, your your profession is in the arts I feel like in in the UK there's not really much of a seriousness around the arts the, the kind of attitude that like oh you, you know you're in a band you, you're so lucky is the best thing in the world but and I think but there is a kind of lot of uh a lot of hard work that I think I'm sounding a bit like an idiot here but you know what I mean that kind of that I feel like there is maybe not that kind of respect of it as a profession
2: yeah I mean it's not fashionable to talk about the kind of hard work and sacrifices you make (laughs) yeah yeah. uh, you know make music for a living Um, and I understand that you know it's like a pretty good it's a pretty amazing way to make a living and you know very few people are lucky enough to but you know I guess the truth is there you know that you do have to make sacrifices and and there are times where you know you sort of dare I say it like begrudge the situation you're in and, and you know actually more than anything it's like boredom because ninety percent of your day is spent in transit you know you're kind of like you're catching like three flights to play a festival and then when you land there it's like a two and a half hour drive to festival site to the festival site and then you know you gotta wait an hour before you play and then oh you've gotta show the next day the other side of Europe so the second you come off stage you're like back in a van to an airport hotel and I mean really i don't find it terrible but it is but you know it's definitely not for, i mean it's not for everyone and that's why actually many people don't go on doing it you know
0: what's your trick are you a reader are you do you watch shit? do you
2: i'm i'm, I think I, I'm a thinker i like you know i like listening to music and, and and looking out the window and i do think being there with you know a gang it definitely it, defi- it that's one of my favourite things about it. Actually, is that you're never alone. You know, you're always with your bandmates and your crew, and you know, you get very close. And, and actually, the older you know, the older you get. Like, the, I think for most people, the less time you really get to spend with people who are essentially your friends, right? And so, it's an amazing, uh, it's an amazing thing to be able to just go around the world with people you chose to be friends with.
0: It must be, you know, so fascinating. And you're in a real unique position you know looking towards back in love city and and everything that will entail all the touring and all the all the stories and all the friendships or or not and you know is is there one thing that you know today at this moment right now that you're really looking forward to
2: I, i you know i just really hope that the world opens up in a way that we can kind of you know find our rhythm and find our feet and just be able to go and do like a proper tour and not have to worry about whether or not one of us is going to get COVID, kind of you know the day before we arrive somewhere and yeah all that sort of thing. Playing live is it really is such an integral part, of course, of what we do and having not having really been able to do that properly over the last couple of years has you know it's been really tough, it's been really sad and um and and so you know I, I'm re- I'm really looking forward to a time I think where we can do that again properly.
0: Any tracks from it that haven't come out yet that that you're buzzing on?
2: Well, I, I if we're talking about live you know that there is like a heavier side to the record that I think people haven't heard yet there's songs like people's Republic of desire wonderlust which we've already played live Xct there's a song called savage and I think that they're you know I, I I'm pretty excited to see how people respond to them live
0: and that you know it's quite an interesting thing I, I, th- I suppose like all records now um, ha- will have a a, a, a you know of guitar records will have quite a big presence of electronic digital stuff um is that something that you're taking into the live show from from from, you know on the record and yeah
2: definitely and I mean I was you know I think you have I think you have to as well you know if you want if you want for want of a better term guitar music to survive and thrive then you absolutely have to make it you know as if you're making it in 2021 you know if the Beatles or the Rolling Stones or Led Zeppelin or the Who, you know, whoever it may be, right? Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, I don't know if any of those people had access to the kind of technology we do now, they'd be using it. You know, they wouldn't be trying to make records like people did. Well, they weren't trying to make records like people did 50 years before. Um, And I do think that's kind of, that's one of sort of rock music's sort of biggest weaknesses really is that it sort of fetishizes the past a little too much
0: I I do think we're coming out of there I do think there is a bit more I do as well and it's really exciting I mean you covered Waxahachie Saint Cloud is just one of my favorites amazing yeah um and when you listen to that I don't know if you've heard the um the song exploder
2: I have yes I have yeah
0: and and it's brilliant and I I forget whether they touched on the electronic side of it too much but they they, you know the way they built that song in in a fairly untraditional let's say Manner. I mean, it's it's inspiring, and and you know, it's fucking great that the that, the that new ways are uh are happening, and and people are are doing different things.
2: I mean, the possibilities are endless, right?
0: Totally, yeah, totally, absolutely. Well, Justin, thanks so much for being up for this. I love Thank you. Nick. I love hearing about those those stories of of you know of the reality of it. And, yeah,
2: it's great to talk about it.
0: You know, I wondered. You know, do you speak to your mates about this kinds of thing? You know, have you been? Do your mates ask you? They're for, all for...
2: thoroughly uninterested in the fact that I play in a band. now. I think they were quite excited when we got our record deal and our and, and uh, first summer of getting them into festivals for, for free, but they don't really <laughs> want to hear about it anymore.
0: Surely they're still getting list spots.
2: Yeah, that's true, actually, they are.
0: Now they're just not saying thanks for yeah, it. Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we were lucky enough to play Latitude. We did like a secret show at Latitude, so that was pretty special. But yeah, no, I think that's the only one we're doing we're going to do this summer and the only one i'm probably gonna to go to as well
0: and you're you're officially back on the the campaign trail
2: we are indeed yeah record 10th of september and then we're touring it kind of so yeah that's that's quite exciting
0: amazing and that and you kind of wake up check your phone see what's going on for that day
2: yeah i do indeed
0: amazing well justin thanks so much man thanks mate nice to speak to you so there was Justin from the Vaccines. Thank you so much for listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs. See you later this week. Here's Cox I've been working all
1: day for me on the side. Running around like a blue ass fly. I've been working
3: Go to Bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.
0: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
3: Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh?
0: Ah.